and welcome back to Podcast by Committee, our show here at The Athletic, where we, uh, we basically talk to the beat writers and <laughs> bother them for 40 minutes for fantasy information. Uh, today's guest from The Athletic, Cleveland, Zach Jackson. You know him on Twitter as Akron Jackson. It's Zach Jackson, everybody. Thanks, dude, for, uh, for doing this. What an intro. Wow. Thank you. Good I keep to be going. Here. I keep going. I, I, one of the nicest guys I know on Slack, always willing to answer any stupid questions we have. <laughs> I, that, that's one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. Thank you. <laughs> I try, man. Also a host, a host or co-host uh, of the A to Z podcast. I assume the co-host since you're the Z. Yeah, we have a, uh, and a little teaser alert. We have a Browns athletic podcast coming here in about two weeks. So uh, more nice. details on that. Yes. But A to Z, A to Z podcast.com for now. Uh, so congratulations on uh, being the beat writer for the Cleveland Browns this year, man. That's what, what, quite the turnaround of coverage you have here. Well, I always tell people that I'm actually only 26, but I look much older because I've covered the Browns the whole time they've been back in the league. So <laughs> um, it's good. And, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, obviously my season long leagues are based here in Northeast Ohio with, you know, friends, family, former coworkers going back. And I mean, you're talking about a decade since anybody drafted a Browns player besides Josh Gordon out of anything other than pure homerism. And now it's like first round, second round. Uh, maybe second quarterback off the board, right? Plays for the Browns. Uh, I have a draft coming up this weekend, and that's been a great topic of discussion. As people actually are picking Browns, not just with their heart, but but hoping that they can root for the guys they're already watching on Sunday. Can I can I ask you a, a question? It doesn't have to do with the Browns, but you mentioned you have your draft coming up. Uh, have you shot any notes to other people on other teams to be like, can you please just give me the real story on you know like I don't know uh, Jalen Samuels? Um, probably not, but the caveat to that is that I read this stuff all year round, you know, what, what you guys do and what's out there. So I, I'm not like a heavy all the time player, but I do play DFS a, a good number of time. I'm in some, some leagues, longstanding leagues. Now I'm usually the co-owner just because of all my commitments during football season. Sure. But, um, I don't usually go that far. However, I feel like, uh, I devote a good number of time anyway and like the athletic app is so incredible when I'm catching up on things. So yeah, I, I'm not exactly sweating uh, who the number two running back in Houston is. However, I'm aware it's an issue. So <laughs> yes. let's put it that way. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? Let's start right there. I was, I was going to start with Odell Beckham, obviously, but since you brought this up, uh, is Duke Johnson going to be the number two running back in Houston? What's his, what's going on with Duke Johnson? In Cleveland? <laughs> oh, in Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like all the, you know, once once the Dante Foreman thing happened, it was like, oh, yeah. Duke Johnson, they're going to trade for him. There you go. It's perfect. Well, he, here's what I know. Um, Duke made a trade request upon the signing of Kareem Hunt, which happened in early February, the day after the Super Bowl, right? And the Browns were like, no, um, you're on the team, you're under contract, you're you're paid, you're not going anywhere. Kareem is is going to face a suspension. So later on, um, the trade request stayed. Uh, they finally found out that the Kareem, all things going well, will be allowed to play in November. And they did shop Duke Johnson, but they didn't find anything near what they wanted for him. So they basically said, you're going to be on the team. And then Duke changed agents. And then Duke finally spoke to the media because he skipped all the OTAs uh, and nothing changed. And people said, well, changing agents is, is going to make this trade happen. Well, no, no circumstances have changed. So Duke came to camp. He participated about two days, and he's been out with a hamstring injury ever since. So I always thought, Nando, that if he was to be traded, it would either be at the very end of the preseason is, is the Browns you know, take um, less value to fill another need, or it would be during the season 
Um, and, and I still think that could happen because Dontrell Hilliard, I think, has, has used this camp to show that he's a legit NFL running back. But Kareem, nothing is guaranteed. Um, you know, he's legally allowed to play uh, at a certain date in November, but I'm not sure they fully trust him to stay out of trouble. And, oh, you know, okay. Dontrell Hilliard, as I mentioned, is, is shows to be a really good player, but he was a kick returner and a part-time guy as an undrafted rookie last year. So I, I just think they would still have to get something for Duke Johnson to move him. And so I, I'm just not sure that, 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 that they're going to get anything for a guy that has a hamstring injury, has been a malcontent, and is due a lot of money. So it, like, let's say it's, it's week three, I guess. Um, we assume Nick Chubb is going to get most of the carries. Uh, Duke Johnson, I've, I've kind of always just viewed as like the complimentary kind of pass catching back who can line up in the slot and all that. Um, is, is Hilliard someone who might get, you know, eight carries for 56 yards and maybe like, is he like this year's Nick Chubb maybe who, who just kind of, I wouldn't say that. I, I think okay. Nick Chubb is a top tier back. And I think if Nick Chubb had not gotten hurt at Georgia, that there's no way the Browns would have been drafting him at 35 overall, right? I think he'd have been in the draft the year before and would have been in the top half of the first round. Sure. Right. Uh, and I don't say this to rip on Duke Johnson at all because Duke Johnson is, is an above average player. Duke Johnson has a skill set that, that can help NFL teams win. But when Duke Johnson put up these numbers, it was on awful teams that were always losing and they were getting blitzed and they were dumping off and he was making plays in the flats. The second half of last year, when the Browns got the offense rolling and Freddie Kitchens was calling the plays, he saw his role diminished. Nick Chubb was a part of that. Flinging it down the field was a part of that. Um, so now they've added Kareem Hunt and added Odell Beckham to that fling it down the field mentality. You see why he, he there's probably not a lot of touches for him. Do I think Duke Johnson is twice the player that Dontrell Hilliard is at this point? Yes. But is Dontrell Hilliard a guy that you might take with your absolute last pick because he's a guy that could get some touches on what should be a good offense? Yes. Uh, but I, I just think he still has a ton and ton to prove. Well, how about, uh, and not to keep pressing the Dontrell, I, I wasn't even expecting to talk about Hilliard at all until you brought him up, but, uh, you know, Nick Chubb uh, hurts his hamstring in week three and misses, you know, three, four, and five. Who, like, d does Duke Johnson, is he a lead back type of running back, or would this be maybe he's Hilliard? Not. No, would Hilliard not. then be like the guy? Yeah, um, I think you would see just a lot of flare passes to Jarvis Landry if that was the case. I mean, okay. I think Nick Chubb is going to be a true feature back. Now, will they run it 30 times a game? You know, will will he be um, the centerpiece of the offense when the weather's good? I don't think those things. But I mean, I'm telling you, on talent, he he is a he's a big time runner. He's stronger and more confident in his second year, which is natural. I mean, think about the crap show that it was last year. They had to trade Carlos Hyde on a Friday afternoon to get Nick Chubb on the field, right? And then he went over right. a thousand yards before he lost yards on his last carry, playing <laughs> nine games. So. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know how this is going to shape out because the Browns have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. But I would invest in Nick Chubb on the simple theory that really talented player on really good offense. And if he does stay healthy, uh, they're going to play some bad weather games. That, on paper, the schedule is much weaker in the second half of the year. I mean, this is a guy that I think is going to give you return on value, you know, late uh, late first round pick or so, depending in your league. I, I really think that he's that he's that kind of talent. Okay. And that's coming from a fantasy player. This is okay. All right. <laughs> I like this. Um, so let me ask you this then the thing that's holding a lot of people back from Chubb and you kind of alluded to the Browns, maybe not trusting him off the field is Kareem Hunt. So everyone's oh, in week 10 Kareem Hunt's going to come back and it's going to be a timeshare. You know, he's going to at least chip away from Chubb's carries. 
Um, I know this is many, many weeks, months out even from now, but is, is that a scenario you see playing out? Are you getting the feeling that, that might happen, or is this something where, like, maybe this is the Kareem Hunt year where they just kind of have him, and, and you know, next year they figure out his, his – No, well, they signed Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt can help them win games. Um, no doubt about it. They're, they've done this little dance where it's this great redemption story and they believe in Kareem Hunt and, and all these things. And let's just be fair. Kareem Hunt has a drinking and violence problem and he's going to go away from the team for eight weeks and they're going to have to hold their breath that he doesn't get in trouble for drinking and, and being violent. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, he already has an incident, right? Like even right. like he has, multiple, multiple, he has multiple incidents. Yes. I mean, I'm actually surprised that the NFL, after investigating the multiple incidents, only gave him eight games. So uh, and then he, you're right. He did have an incident in the spring. Uh, apparently it was with a friend of his. There were no charges filed. But okay. when you watch Kareem Hunt in the spring, you're like, oh, my gosh, this looks like an NFL rushing champ because he is right. He was two right. years ago. Um, so they envision him coming out of the bullpen and devastating teams. But does that come at all of a sudden the expense of Nick Chubb being a 50 percent player? Or, you know, I, I don't I don't think that I, I think Nick Chubb is the running back of this team. And if things go well for Kareem Hunt and if things go well for the Browns, that he is the number two back down the stretch. So, you know, of course, some teams need to go to back five and six by the time you get to Thanksgiving. Right. So in right. that case, Kareem Hunt might be worth an investment. But I, I, I just see this as Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb's offense and, you know, I did in a in a best ball draft I played two months ago. I took Kareem Hunt in like the 14th round. But I mean, I right now I have I couldn't sit here and say with any conviction that that's the guy you want to steal. Like some years when you tried to steal Josh Gordon or whoever it was um, of a guy coming off suspension or a guy looming out there. He has the talent. He has the potential set up, but he is behind a really, really good player and has obstacles to be able to play uh, on November 10th and beyond. Nice. Uh, by the way, let's not just gloss over the fact you're doing best balls in June here. That's probably, I mean, you're all right. You're speaking our language. Well, I'm going to be honest right with you. Like my, <laughs> my buddy's kids right down the road, they're at the age that they're into it. Right. So un uncle Zach sometimes um, logs on a dollar or $3 draft and lets them and talks fantasy football with them to give their parents a break. So uh, yes. it's mostly that more than anything else. But, you know, like I said, I, I'm into it. Um, I follow the league. I, I know the league, I think. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I just, as I watch practice every day, I'm like, oh my gosh, there is a ton, a ton of talent on this Browns offense to the point that if everything clicks and if Baker's upright, there are so many guys that I'm not sure that there's a slam dunk selection because I think they're really going to spread the wealth. Well, that's, I mean, th that's kind of the, the, the issue that I have, the more I look at the Browns and I mean, like you're, you're talking about a team that is stacked, even like defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, you know what I mean? Like your offensive coordinator is Todd Monken who ran the the Bucks offense like it's a sky high levels last year and I maybe I guess we could move there just to, I'm gonna move down to like point number eight on here um Freddie Kitchens you know never head coached before um has obviously an offensive system as an offensive mind uh it goes out and gets Todd Monken it, like how is how is that relationship gonna work is this like a Freddie Kitchens offense and he's telling Monken like translate for me and just you know do what I tell you to do or is Monken giving some input because he's like you know last year I called the plays at Tampa Bay and we were awesome um, you know, get, let, let me do some stuff. How, how is this all going to work? How's this going to play out? Yeah, the, the answer is yes to everything you just asked. <laughs> so right, here's, cool. <laughs> here's the way I see it. Okay, so they make the change at midseason last year, and they're still running Todd Haley's offense, which is fine because that's what Kitchens knows, right? Kitchens was on the staff because Haley brought him there. 
right? right after he was in Arizona for 12 or 13 years. So he Freddie is hired because of his relationship and rapport with Baker. And what's dangerous, you know, for a first time head coach in a lot of cases is Freddie's still going to call the plays. Then here comes Todd Munkin, as you mentioned. So I'm of the belief that it's the same offensive terminology. It's the same, you know, w- with some things tinkered with and added. It's the same aggressive mindset and over aggressive at times. But I think once we get to the actual shaping and tinkering part here in a few weeks where they're going week to week, I think it will be Munkin working with the quarterback's coach and with Baker and with Drew Stanton in developing kind of the weekly game plan and the blueprint, and it'll still be Freddie pulling the trigger and, and calling the place. So I, 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 although I think there's an obvious comfort level in things to build upon from last year, I do think there's new. And, you know, there was that report of tension between uh, coordinator and, and head coach. And although – that comes from Hugh Jackson's buddy, and it sounds like sour grapes. Um, wouldn't it be natural if there was some tension as they're building in May? And isn't that the time to kind of get it out of the way? So that th- it wasn't an alarming to me. I-, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, there's some uncertainty. However, there is enough familiarity and just a matching of aggressive mindsets that you would say, hey, uh, this team's going to go for it, and there's some games they're going to score 40 points. Yeah, I mean, like, you look at the team and how it's put together, and I guess, like, do we know the Freddie Kitchens tendencies? I mean, you're going to throw to Odell Beckham, and he's going to catch everything that comes his way. Um, You know, and after that, there's Jarvis Landry, and then Nick Chubb, like, and even David Njoku. Like, there's – it's tough to find a sleeper on this. I mean, I guess maybe Rashard Higgins. I know you wrote a lot last year, and I I actually made a ton of notes about this from last year uh, when you said Higgins and Mayfield have, like, this crazy chemistry. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if if Mayfield – takes over for Tyrod Taylor at any point, you know, I would assume, like, I assumed as a fantasy player that he'd look for Higgins and Higgins would elevate his game. And unfortunately he got hurt, like just as Mayfield was kind of coming into his own and uh, was kind of in and out of games. But is it like a, I guess, is there a Freddie kitchens tendency? Like, you know, some, some coordinators yeah. are run heavy, some are pass heavy. And like, how, how does that all shake out and uh, trying to figure out, is there someone here who can maybe get like 800 yards and five touchdowns who isn't like that number one? Yeah, so there is a Freddie Kitchens tendency, and it's to be aggressive, you know. And and I think last year, um, let's be honest, they they beat up some bad defenses, and Baker had a bad half against the Texans. Now Baker came back with a good second half. The game was kind of over. Uh, one of the games Baker put up numbers was against the Chiefs, who were a killing the Browns and b didn't even try on defense for most of last year. However, um, they were throwing it down the field to Brashad Perriman, who was allowed to leave when they got Odell Beckham. So that's like a tremendous upgrade. They were throwing it down the field to Antonio Callaway, who has been one of the stories of camp in a negative way. And that this is a guy oozing with talent uh, that's had maturity issues, and they were not pleased with the shape he showed up in. So he has gotten very little run with the number ones. Uh, The chemistry with Higgins dates back to last year when Hugh Jackson, the ultimate genius, would not give Baker one snap with the number one. (laughs) So those guys worked on the second team, and Higgins was always open, and Baker got him the ball. Um, If there's a sleeper, and and you mentioned that there's probably not because of the way they finished the year, and people know these guys now, I think it's Jarvis Landry who just catches the ball, who should always be open in this offense with Beckham, with Chubb, with those guys. And it's not a true sleeper in terms of you're going to get him in the 10th round, but I do think you're going to get Jarvis Landry uh, a round or two later in any format 
than, than you probably should. And I think especially in a PPR format, there's going to be games where Jarvis Landry does Jarvis Landry things, which is catch eight, nine, ten balls, because uh, defenses are going to have to pay attention to Beckham. Landry now has the chemistry with Baker, and Freddie knows that he can line up Landry anywhere, anywhere, including in the backfield, and get him the ball and let him make plays, and he's going to do that. Is uh, is Landry, I mean, do you see him being steady? Like with those kind of, you know, seven, eight targets a game with, with some of the leaps up to maybe ten uh, on the weeks where you just can't find Beckham anywhere? Or is this kind of like, um, you know, a, a number two who some weeks is going to be like three for 19 and other weeks is going to be, you know, 10 yeah, for 120? I, I think there's going to be some three for 24s, but I think the I think your patience will pay off because I think, I mean, this is a guy that's caught, that's Michael Thomas is about to smash this, but Landry's a guy that's caught more passes in his first four or five years than anyone else. And it's because he knows how to get open. So, yes, a lot of people say there are six-yard passes, and a lot of them have been. But I just I just saw um, the light kind of come on with, with Freddie last year in terms of we can line this guy up. And, again, that was with Perriman and Callaway on the outside. Now you've got Beckham on the outside. And, and you just, you're going to see these guys line up all over the place. But if they get in the type of games, which I think they're going to be in, high-scoring games, Losing by seven, losing by ten in the third quarter against some of these good teams they play. I think you're going to see the ball go Jarvis Landry's way a lot. So Zach, the, the thing that uh, bothers me here a little bit, I mean, just as you know, as a, as a fantasy player who likes to go deep, is that Jalen Strong is on this team, and I've like I've had a thing for Jalen Strong for years. I thought he was going to break out with the Texans. I would assume, like on any other team where maybe you don't have Odo Beckham Jr., uh, Jalen Strong might have a shot at being like the wide receiver four, and then maybe playing his way into the starters. Um, you know, people who are similar to me who remember Jalen Strong from the, the Houston days was like, oh, he's got a shot. He's got talent. Uh, just ignore him, I guess, sadly. Yeah. So two weeks ago, I would have told you there's no way he even makes the team. Um, since then, he's come on strong, but I'm still not sure he makes the team because you have four wide receivers on this team. You have a, fi- a, a developmental guy, Derek Willies, who's coming along. And so unless Jalen Strong is going to play special teams, you know, or unless one of these guys goes down with a four to longer week injury, I'm just not sure there's room for Jalen Strong. So uh, he he has come on um, strong, pun intended. But I would I would not think that he's going to be with the Cleveland Browns. And if he is, the only way there's snaps for Jalen Strong when the game start would be an injury to one of the top tier guys. All right, so that, that's all I'm going to ask about the wide receiver. I, I think I'm out of wide receiver questions, um, unless I mean. The one I actually had up top was, uh, has Cleveland decided on a consensus uh, OBJ versus ODB? Because we had a lot of problems with that here in New York. <laughs> it's OBJ here, for sure. All right. I actually, so when he went to Cleveland, I don't know what, like, as a Giants fan, it was crushing and destroyed me in many ways. Um, I actually bought a Cleveland Browns. There's this company called RotoWare, which you probably own shirts from, knowing your depth of, of fantasy playing. Uh, that was OH. <laughs> BJ and it had the state of Ohio and it was OBJ and it was him just the one-handed catch. It's funny. Someone sent me a, a screenshot of traffic yesterday on a Cleveland highway shut down by construction. And there was an Ohio plate Odell 13 in front of them already already. Yes. That's uh. so, so before, I mean, before we get into some other pieces, of this offense, um, I just kind of want to ask you this and I'm sorry, I have to ask this, but how do things go terribly wrong for this team? Like everyone's so optimistic and there's so many good pieces here. And it seems even like there, there's real depth there too, at a lot of the positions. Um, like, you know, I was kind of mapping it out in my head. Like Baker Mayfield kind of falls apart. Uh, Odell Beckham gets hurt. Like, can you just give us a walkthrough of, of, you know, the beware that might not even happen, but just maybe yeah. how it might. 
So last year when they were rolling, uh, Baker wasn't even getting touched, let alone sacked, right? The ball was coming out quickly. He was getting into a rhythm. They were spreading it around enough times, and and that was working out perfectly for them. Um, oh, sorry. I didn't know what that was. My phone just started playing a video. Um, so they do. They have one change on the line. They traded Kevin Zeitler to the Giants to get Olivier Vernon in a deal that was actually done before the Beckham trade. Um, so, you know, other than than the quarterback getting hurt or the quarterback and Beckham just not clicking, which I don't think, although I think it's a work in progress, I don't think that that's, that's possible. I just think it would be teams figuring out how to blitz Baker. Uh, he's gotten a lot of balls knocked down. He's still a six-foot quarterback. Now, he has a quick release. He throws at sidearm. He goes at people downfield, which you know keeps them from, from jumping in front of the slants and things like that. But I just think the way it would the, – the only two ways it would go wrong outside of injury would be for just the line to not play well or if they got too pass happy and, and you know let him get hit or then you know forgot about the run. Um, in some regard, which, you know, Freddie has been adamant that that's not going to happen. I think it's a little bit of his MO and Baker's MO to, to let it ride a little bit. But, um, you know, I've talked to people around the league for months now about this and about this really is a chemistry experiment, right? First year head coach, uh, quarterback, not afraid of anything on or off the field, bringing in this incredible talent in Beckham, who was obviously traded for a reason, bringing in Kareem Hunt. Um, but the consensus is, you know, a lot of people have reservations about the Browns being 12 and four this year, but the consensus is there's just way too much talent for it to be a total train wreck. So like I said, but barring injury or, or barring teams just being in Baker's face all day long, I think this is an offense that's not really ever going to be out of a game and, you know, we'll have its peaks and valleys like every offense, but we'll have the potential to put up big time numbers. I mean, like this. This is like a like a crazy comeback. Like down, you know, twenty one at the half. This is an offense that could win this game by you know ten points when the dust settles. It's it's just it's crazy. Like it's there's such a small percentage chance this is going to go wrong, right? Like it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you say that, the first thought is that you know, and, and this this comes from here from interacting with fans, with as I said, talking with people in the league, from just having a feel. Like I think maybe the version of what's right or success is, is, is raised a little too much just for a team that's never done this. I mean, Nando, they've played one Monday night game this decade. They have two in the first five weeks on opposite coasts of the country. Okay. So we, we have, there is a human element here. Um, but part of that human element is that Beckham is like uncoverable, right? Right. Um, Baker loves to throw the deep ball. Um, Jarvis Landry is at times going to be anywhere between the second and fourth option. And Nick Chubb is a freaking train. So, yeah, I I, I can't see it going totally wrong. Um, I, I you know I, I I have questions about it all coming together, staying together, the defense holding up its end of the bargain, you know, handling the hype, uh, the the scrutiny, the success. I mean, when they won three in a row last year, that's a first. That's happened like one time between the winning season in two thousand seven and last year. So there's all of those things, but when you just, it, it's all put it this way, it's always more than talent. We all know that regardless of whether of how we look at it, but having the talent is a pretty darn good place to start. And the talent is here on this team. And we, we haven't even talked in Joku yet. I mean, I assume that he's in this offense. I mean, his, his upside I, I'm 800 yards, maybe like six touchdowns. Is that, 
a fair assumption? Yeah. I mean, so here's what I always say about him. He's a way better fantasy football player than real football player. Okay, oh, you rarely hear that. I like that. Okay. <laughs> it's usually the other way around. He is big and strong and fast. And there was a couple last year that Baker like sewed into his chest and gave him no choice. And you will see him run and leap over three guys and make a touchdown catch. And then the next two times you'll see him run wide open and not have any chance to catch the ball. And I have not seen any upgrade in the consistency department. So does he have a better feel for the game? Is he a better all around football player in his third year? Yes, he should be. He's still a young guy. I don't, I I don't think anything's ever going to come naturally to David Njoku but the raw talent is unmistakable and should be getting polished. And it has been really in, in a lot of regards. So, you know, what, what, where do you rank him among tight ends? Like right outside the top five, right? Yeah. He's kind of in that uh, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram area. Like it's usually the, yeah, the travel. Yeah, uh, so he's not, Hunter Henry. Yeah. Like those four kind of travel together. Right now. I don't think he's going to get the sheer number of targets that those guys are probably going to get. Uh, I don't think that he is right now the all-around player that those guys are, but he's a red zone weapon. He's going to have favorable matchups, and he's just really big, strong, and fast, so we'll see. I I think you're going to see a David Njoku 8 for 110, two touchdown game, and I also think you're going to see a David Njoku 2 for 10, four drop game because that's just who he's been. But, I mean, there is no – I was looking at your depth chart detective uh, story the other day, and uh, there's no, like – threat like there's no one else who's like up and coming and if njoku d- disappoints then he's out right well, like, they this went is, got, like, just don't worry about it right yeah they went and got demetrius harris who was kelsey's backup you know who was a john dorsey find many years ago right um, but my feel on that is that harris is the starting tight end the blocking tight end and that njoku will occasionally split out but will mostly play either on third down or kind of behind harris in some play action spots things like that uh harris will be the guy that they flip the ball to when everybody else is covered and nobody thinks it's coming. Najoku will be the guy that's involved in every route when he's in the game. Got it. Um, you briefly mentioned the defense and I, you know, the, the DST, whatever, but I'm thinking of it more of, like you said, keeping up their end of the bargain um, and keeping that offense on the field, basically just doing their job, not, not letting the other team run all over them and stay on the field and getting this offense back on. Because I think like looking at this, adding things up as a fantasy player, we need like, <laughs> like, you know, 40 pass attempts a game from this team and, you know, mm-hmm. still 25 rushes, um, maybe more. Uh, is, is that a better possibility than last year? Like we mentioned the trade with the Giants um, and Steve Wilkes is defensive coordinator. Uh, is this going to be a, a, maybe not a surprising defense, but at least one that, that, like you said, keeps up their side of the bargain? Well, I think the defense has taken the whole uh, hype for the offense personally, right? And I think everybody that looks would say the offense is the stronger part of it. Um, one through four, the defensive line, Larry Ogunjobi, Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, and Olivier Vernon. That's as good as any group. They don't have a lot of proven depth. Uh, they got some questions throughout it. But this is a defense the last couple of years that gave up a lot of big plays on simple plays. Um, part of that was Greg Williams' scheme, you know, over-aggressive all the time. Yep. Part of it was they weren't very good at defensive tackle, and a lot of running backs were – we're getting to five and six yards before they had to cut or, or had to make a decision on things. So I am worried about the tackling uh, because that's been an issue. And I am worried about how the secondary holds up, but the starting defensive line and the depth of the secondary are both really, really, really good. So um, I, I, I will see what happens, but I think miles Garrett could lead the league in sacks if the offense is good. 
And I think as you long- You just gonna take everything? Take yeah. everything, right? <laughs> Every title? Every- <laughs> and I, I honestly think, you know, we'll see. I, I know Wilkes has a reputation as a blitzer, so we'll see, um, you know, how they do in getting over-aggressive and how they clean up some of those things. But, um, you know, if Sheldon Richardson just plays to the level he's capable of, not even above it, you're instantly better because you took a position of weakness and turned it into a Pro Bowl caliber type guy, right? You have Denzel Ward, who was a star last year as a rookie corner, coming back as a second year. Um, so, yeah, I, I I have some concerns, but the, again, the talent has been upgraded, and we'll just see, you know, how how they mold and and what how they eventually end up playing against teams in terms of how they're being attacked, who's going to double team. Like they, they open with the Titans, Taylor Lewan is suspended. I think Miles Garrett might have a big day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I want to ask you just, just very quickly, uh, the formation of this team, you know, the, across the, the league, and I'm sure you know this as a fantasy player, when someone brings up a guy is playing in the slot, it's like fantasy gold. Um, do you have any idea like what the slot's going to look like for Cleveland this year? Well, it's Ben Higgins so far, um, but I think it's going to be Landry for the most part. And I think it's going to be occasionally Beckham. I even think eventually you're going to see Najoku line up all over the place. So, you know, I think on the surface, you could say Jarvis Landry is one of the top slot receivers in the league. And I think that would be true, but I'm not sure he's, he's, it's always going to be him. If that makes okay. any sense. So, yes, um, you know, I, I'm of the belief that eventually Antonio Callaway is too talented to not kill in this offense. Cause he was playing like a hundred percent of the snaps last year. And, and for a while was their only deep threat, you know, until, until Perriman kind of came on the scene. Sure. So you hear things about conditioning and maturity and it's always a concern, but I think Antonio Callaway playing 40 to 60% of the snaps will be even more effective. And even though the defense has beaten up the offense more days than not in training camp, the way Baker has thrown the deep ball the last couple of days is like jaw-droppingly good. And if you got to figure the guys are going to be – the safety is at least going to be shading towards Beckham's side, if not completely bracketing him on third downs, right? right. I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of other guys open and a lot of opportunities. Man, this is a crazy – this is a crazy team. Um, last question before we get into uh, getting to know Zach. Um, and I, I, I got to ask, you're probably sick of this, but he's not even on the team anymore. Uh, do you have any indication on Josh Gordon? Like what, like what's going to happen here? You know, people are taking him late, uh, especially in best balls. Uh, there's always that little glimmer of hope that, hey, he's going to come back and be awesome like he used to be. Um, any idea at all? I know he's not he, no longer, you know, quote, unquote, your problem. But <laughs> yeah, you, know, you just you're always going to associate him with the Browns. And it's just kind of. Any insight on Josh Gordon is basically gold for anyone playing fantasy. So without making light of Josh Gordon's obvious uh, issues, life issues, um, every time I see this reinstatement tweet or this Josh Gordon's working out Instagram post, it's like, you know, it's a flashback to just uh, a terrible, terrible era in Browns football Um, and and just this limbo that he left you in and he never helped you win shit quite frankly. So I don't have any insight hey, look, on You can it. use that language on the A to Z podcast. <laughs> okay. Not our uh, podcast by committee, man. Actually, I think uh, you can. I, I, we probably make the rules here. You can use that language. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got no other way to say it, quite frankly, whether I'm a lot, whether it gets beeped out or not. Um, so I don't have any insight. I, I, I would say that the NFL, I, I thought, went out of its way to accommodate him and work with him to get back. Because I do think 
at the deepest, deepest level, there's a little bit of NFL understanding of hypocrisy of we're, we're keeping this guy from playing because of a stupid weed test. Right. And, right. and, and most times. And if, and, and he has come back and he is a talent. However, what's happened is he's just hasn't played enough football to stay sharp and he comes back and there's an automatic quad injury. Right. And there's so many things you can do. So Tom Brady took a liking to him last year and that was obvious. And Josh Gordon has rare, rare, rare physical gifts. Um, you know, are you asking me late, late in the draft, would I take him or Kareem hunt? I don't know. Um, I think, you know, if it's a PPR league, I think probably you lean towards Gordon, but, uh, the Browns are better for having Josh Gordon out of the building. Right. And for this to go on again, like I said, past precedent says the NFL will work with him, but not only do I not have any true insight on that, I'm, I'm glad that it's no longer my issue. All right. (laughs) Okay. I figured, you know, maybe you knew something, but yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Um, I'm sorry I brought you back to that dark time. But let's let's have some fun now. Getting getting to know Zach. Uh, just like 10 rapid-fire questions we like to finish up with here to kind of sh- show personality. It's not, you know, so you don't feel like we're just using you for sure. fantasy information. <laughs> um, what's the best thing you make for breakfast? Uh, a call to Bob Evans. Okay. <laughs> uh, someone cool has five hours in Cleveland. What are the three things you tell them to do? You drive to Akron and get a Swenson's cheeseburger. All right. Uh, you come back and you check out the lakefront. Um, and you walk around town and just talk to random folks about how Baker Mayfield has saved the city. <laughs> Lakefront's where all the bar. I've been to Cleveland. Lakefront's where all those awesome bars are, right? Yeah, they're they're the flats. It's called the East Bank of the Flats. It's made a great comeback over the last eight or ten years, and that's it's walking distance from the stadium for anybody who's coming to a game this year. So. Uh, the Browns in week three host the Rams on Sunday night football. First time in like 15 plus years, they've had a Sunday night game. The weather should be good. The city should be excellent. So, uh, if you're thinking about coming, that's the one I would recommend. Dude, I, uh, I'm not saying this because you're our guest, but I think people unfairly crap on Cleveland because that I had one of my best out of town bar nights ever. Like we just like hopped around from bar to bar and it was like good people. And there were fireworks at the Indian stadium. It was just a good, very, and then we went to the casino. What a great night. Yeah, it's all right there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think one reason that happens uh, is I've told people everything's great about Cleveland and Northeast Ohio, except the airport. It's been under construction for about 20 years. And so I think right away, you know, not only is that stigma out there that probably dates back 40 years more than anything else, but you get there and you have a bad experience. And I think immediately you're kind of like, you know, it's not New York. It's not L.A., right? But for what it is, it's pretty cool. And it's certainly over the last uh, couple of decades and over the last 10 years in particular, it is, it has really changed and really cool. And, you know, like tonight uh, I probably won't be done in time, but I know anybody that's in town for the preseason game and gets that experience. Everything with the Brown stadium is in walking distance and and the lake is right behind the stadium. So everything is right there. And, and so once you get situated, you don't have to be back in a car and there's everything you could want, you know, right, right in, a, in the area of a few, few miles. It's awesome. Uh, number three, uh, staple question that we have here now, what kind of pen do you use what color ink with, with design? I use hotel pens. All right. <laughs> you and, uh, you and Cavalli, man. Yeah. We, I, I guess fortunately uh, Mark and I have more in common than we, than either one of us wants to admit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, which state for mid, uh, which state fair midway game are you best at? Ooh, uh, probably the shooting hoops. Um, I, really? I could not. 
I could not get back on defense and I could not get around anybody, but I could shoot in my day. So that would be the one. Even with the shady rims they use at the state fairs? Yeah, you got to play the angles. You got to know. For sure. right. <laughs> this is good. All right. Uh, how many times have you been to the Christmas story house? Zero. Uh, really? But, but I have friends and family members who go every year, uh, but I've been zero. Uh, which opposing team this year are you most excited to see? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, most excited to see. I want to say the Niners. I think they're they're a little bit loaded, and they're like the Browns. Um, they don't they don't have the hype. They don't have maybe the proven guy like Beckham and Landry. But I think that's a, a well coached team with some young guys that are on the rise. And I think if they stay healthy, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, number seven, who do you drive at? Hey, hey Nando, just so you know. Uh, the Browns just traded Duke Johnson to the Texans, so you were all over there. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, really? Really, it just That's happened. insane. Okay, I, you, I can just hold. If you gotta go, don't worry about no, the last I, three. We're questions. good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, so live analysis. What does that change now? Well, I mean, it it, it makes Dontrell Hilliard your number two back for at least the first eight games, right? Clear cut. Um, which yeah. means he's going to have a role. Uh, how big that role is going to be is to be determined. Um, it makes Duke Johnson the number one B back, right, in Houston. <laughs> like, yeah, they've right. been trying to replace Lamar Miller. They just haven't done a very good job of it. So uh, we'll see, you know, what happens on that front. But trust me, Duke Johnson, guys, is an above-average player, and he is a he is a uh, top-tier top third down back. He can really play. And so in Cleveland, it's Dontrell Hilliard. And then we'll see with Kareem Hunt, who is serving eight games. So uh, Browns have an early bye week. So week 10, uh, assuming he gets there, he'd be eligible to debut. Does uh, does Hilliard, is he a good hands guy? Is, is he a good route runner? Or yes. Is he just a... Yeah, a, he is. Okay, he, he's, he's coming on. Yeah. He's probably a little bit bigger than Duke Johnson, but he's certainly not uh, built like a tank like Nick Chubb. So, yeah, I, I think... You could pencil in Hilliard for four carries, two catches, and then see, um, you know, where it kind of goes from there. But he's built; he's different than than Johnson. And if uh, if Chubb gets hurt early, like this is your this is your backup running back. Whereas Duke Johnson wouldn't be your, your backup running back. He still play that complementary role. Hilliard is Hilliard is the backup. Correct. So so here's how it was. It was going to be Chubb as the absolute one A, no doubt feature guy. Duke is a third down back, and Hilliard is the utility guy. So now it's going to be Chubb, I think probably even more 1A than before. It's going to be Hilliard as your part-time third down, part-time utility, and then a third back makes the team, right, before Hunt is eligible. It's probably a big back, um, or maybe seven wide receivers make it. And, and uh, you know, you kind of play Landry and Callaway as your emergency dump it out of the backfield, guys. So that'll be interesting to see. Man. All right. Well, this is great timing. Uh, so you want to do these last three or is it trite now? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Uh, who do you drive as a Mario Kart? <laughs> oh, gosh. I have played some Mario Kart, a lot of Mario Kart, uh, but not for a long time. Um, Wario, I think, is who I would use most most often. <laughs> um, what's the most common misspelling of your first name? I assume it's with an H or a K, right? Yeah, the, the H is probably most common, and my mom has been fighting people on that for decades. So when, when the Bengals hired Zach Taylor, I was a big win for Team ZAC. <laughs> uh, when's the last time you told a knock-knock joke? Oh, gosh. Um, just two days ago, but it's too inappropriate to tell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
final question in the rapid fire with uh, Zach Jackson. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Akron Jackson. Uh, your beer of choice. Um, White Claw has become my drink of choice, uh, but my okay. beer of choice would be Line and Kugel's Summer Shandy. Which flavor uh, White Claw? Uh, black Cherry all the way. All right. Nice. Uh, Zach, no, I actually so like all of them. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Please go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I like all of them except for the mango, and it's not a diss on that. It's just I don't like mango anything. Um, okay. But, yeah, Black Cherry would be my A1. Nice. Um, Zach, thank, uh, thank you so much. This is amazing timing. Um, and uh, <laughs> good luck. I'm sure there's going to be a lot you have to write now and, and maybe go on some radio stations and talk about now. But uh, this is awesome. Check out the A to Z podcast. And also stay tuned for the Athletic Cleveland podcast coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, make sure you follow Zach on Twitter at Akron Jackson. Uh, also, your Q&As are, I believe, Askin Jackson. Yeah, that's the, that's the hashtag for my uh, mailbag, Askin Jackson. So send them send away. What do you name your fantasy teams? Because you seem to be a master of puns here. <laughs> well, there's one I'm certainly not going to share. Okay. Um, this is- <laughs> <laughs> usually I name them um, in relation to like jokes with the league. You know, like the only reason I do season long is just, just for the time you get together with the buddy, with the buddies. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So totally. I, I, there's one league where I change it every time I lose a game. And the other ones, they wouldn't play in this format. One, because it's completely inappropriate. And two, just because they're, the others are based on inside jokes. Uh, it's some of my co-owners. Gotcha. Well, uh, it, was, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And uh, I'm assuming you have to go do some Duke Johnson stuff now. It's going to be – I, I just saw a headline that said conditional four, which to me the Browns had to make that trade. Yeah. Wow. All right. Good times, All right, man. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. It is much appreciated.